This is the sermon from Reverend Dr. Bob John, pastor of Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We hope you are blessed with this message today. If you are seeking a church family, we are located at 242 Boston Road. Our worship services are at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. May God bless you and your family this day and give you peace. The Gospel reading this morning is a familiar and confusing and paradoxical passage. I invite you to stand if you're able and join with me as we hear John 3, verse 1 through 17, page 91. There's a very familiar verse I invite you to say with me when you hear it begin. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about heavenly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but shall have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be set on thy side, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Bishop William Willman, who is a retired bishop from Alabama Conference, shares a story of watching a Sunday afternoon channel on Emerging Church. 
So he saw a mega church in California where about more than 2,000 people gathered. Many of them were younger than 30 years old. If you think about church like that, Willeman says it's fairly predictable. A Christian rock band plays some praise music and the pastor tells some inspiring stories about some awesome people who have done some awesome things. One of the pastors at the church was asked by interviewer, why do you think that your church is attracting these many young others? And he thought for a while and he answered, well, you have a whole generation of young people, beautiful, bright, successful, who never had anyone love them enough to look them in their eyes and say in love, man, you really suck. <laughs> Sorry about the language. <laughs> Many mainline churches, such as Methodists, would not go far to tell the people, especially the first-time visitors, that their lives are pitiful or miserable. As you can imagine, many churches, especially in New England, most of churches hang the banners or the sign on their lawns that says, come on in, we are a welcoming church, we are a loving church. We'll help you feel better, also we'll help you feel comfortable right home. Then I think about Sarah in my former church who came to the church with her daughter. I knew her story and, and looking at me as if she was saying, well, you know, my husband has recently left me for another woman, hurting and breaking our 20 years marriage. My son does not want to talk to me anymore. So what good news do you have for me and, and for my daughter today? Of course, from her in the sanctuary, there sits Mike, whose drinking problems has been jeopardizing his marriage and also hurting his relationship with uh, his children. As I think about Bishop Williams' story, I believe that this young pastor is onto something. If church is, church is just about welcoming one another, being happy, doing some good works, and I mean, why do we have to do that at the church when there are some social clubs such as the Lions Club or the Elks and some other places they also value doing some you know, good charity works in their community. Now, some people will say that what church is about fellowship? If church is all about fellowship, people can do that at the breakfast restaurants, gyms like CrossFit, they can go to the book club at the library, but no such places will look people in their eyes and tell them that their lives are miserable, that their lives are not what they're supposed to be. Maybe the church could be the only place where we can be honest about our failures, our worries, our mistakes, also sins and brokenness. In our reading today, we, we meet a person named Nicodemus. We know that he was a Pharisee, a religious leader of his Jewish community. The word Pharisee means set apart, separated. So these were a group of people who separate themselves from 
other religious sects such as the Sadducees, they separate themselves from the most common people. They separate themselves from other Gentiles especially. They upheld the law very strictly as a sign of their piety. They were usually trained at the school, receiving a good education. They were treated with much respect as they not only taught the laws and regulations to their people, but also they practiced them to the extreme almost perfectly. As Jesus later indicates, they talk about their almsgiving and their fasting and their praying in public. But then these Pharisees, they started hearing rumors about this Jesus guy, the carpenter from Nazareth. They heard that he was hanging out with some low-class people like the fisherman, the senior-like tax collector. He was going around healing the sick people. I mean, the Jesus guy did not even go to their seminary to get some good education and the degree. Or he did not have a membership with their society attending their annual banquet. To them, he had gone completely rogue with his friends and disciples, healing people whom they were kind of saying that, you know, their blindness or their deafness or their, their paralysis, paralysis were caused by, by their sins or maybe the sins of their families. Not only that, he, Jesus was also healing them on the Sabbath day, breaking the holy law, what they consider sacred. And even Jesus said that, well, you know, I forgive your sins. Who could have such a power to forgive someone's sins other than God himself? And then they were saying that it's a blasphemy. Nicodemus, an esteemed member of the Pharisee society, however, decided to travel and meet Jesus, whom his Pharisee friends denounced. Since he did not want to be seen by other Pharisees or town people, he came by night and maybe covering his face. If we think about it, Nicodemus was someone who had everything going for him. His career, his respect, and from the leadership. Why does he need to go see Jesus? Maybe it's possible that the, the word night in the Gospel of John 3 does not just indicate his fear of being seen by others as associated with Jesus. Maybe just night, the word also implies where he is spiritually. Although he was considered as a, a guide and a leader for others, giving them, telling and teaching them how, what is right and what is wrong, maybe he's the one who was walking in the, in the night. He was, was walking blinded by the darkness. Or they, maybe there was a deep yearning to seek something that would resolve his spiritual hunger. But Nicodemus traveled at night to come and see Jesus. And he told him, this is what he said, Rabbi, I have seen you and heard about you for a while. And I believe that you are a teacher who is from God because no one can do these things apart from the presence of God, he said. Well, Nicodemus is complimenting and praising Jesus, saying that he is someone special. He is someone special from God. At least the natural answer expected would be, well, thank you. But Jesus instead gives us such a bizarre answer. He said, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above or we say again. You need to be born again, Jesus says. I find his answer strange. I mean, imagine 
since he's not here this morning, Joe Benson, comes up to me after service is over. He says, I really like your sermon today. I just felt the presence of God. Instead of saying, thank you, Joe, but I tell him, that's interesting, given that I was preaching in Korean, not in English. <laughs> Nicodemus finds Jesus' answer a little bizarre as if they were speaking different languages. So Nicodemus asked him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? When Jesus says, you need to be born again. The Greek word used for again is anathon, which has double meanings. It could mean again as we usually read in the you know, uh, New International Version or King James Version. Well, it could also mean that from above, like you know, uh, NRSV. In other words, Jesus is saying, you need to be born anew. You need to be born from above because no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, he says. In the same way in the baptism, the minister says, being born through water and the spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. But when you think about our baptism, it's not something that we earn or uh, you know, we, we do because what we have done. Of course, in the Middle Age, when the, the lifespan was much shorter, parents want to baptize their babies as early as, as possible so that even if you know, these children did not live that long, they could still go to heaven. But in the Methodist church, baptism is not a ticket to heaven. It's more like affirmation that these babies, these little children are already beloved children of God. So the both parents and the congregation stand in covenant with God that they, they would respond to this incredible grace of God by faithfully raising and uh, the children in Christian tradition, faithfully teaching them about who God is and who the love of God for us. Certainly, we do not know where the wind blows, or we do not know where, where it comes from or where it goes. In the same way, it is God who freely chooses to save God's people as God's gift for them. So in John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, You did not choose me, but, but I chose you. You may love one another, my friends, because it's not you who love me first, but me who loved you first. Some years ago, I read a news article that there was a family in New Jersey that was excited for their second son, Anthony, who reached his second grade school, and he was uh, expecting to have his first communion at their church. But though later, the family, the couple were told that their son, Anthony, would not be able to have the communion because he was not able to confess his sins before receiving the first communion. The Anthony was an autistic boy, and there was no way that he could confess his sins. So he was forbidden from his first communion. So when churches said, we are a welcoming church, we are a loving church. I often wonder if people seriously take some time to understand what that means for them. We do not even know where the wind comes or goes. 
and we can never catch the wind in our hands. And the Holy Spirit, who is like wind, often brings the most unlikely people to get along to our church and says, well, now what? This past week, being a little sick from cold and, and noticing that uh, you know, my immune system has been pretty low. So I have decided to get membership in a gym in Chelmsford and start to work out. Please keep me in your prayers. <laughs> and as I was running the treadmill, and I saw TV screen with uh, the college basketball game on. I think that you know, this March is a March Madness month. And, and as I was watching the game, the screen on the right side had the Fox News on. And the left side had CNN News on. You know, I had never been excited to, to be on, running on the treadmill watching a college basketball game while Fox and News playing defense or offense at the same time. It's going to see You know, we know that our society is deeply wounded and divided today. And church, which is supposed to be the body of Christ, is often also wounded and divided. And the Methodist Church, as many of you know, is not exempt from such hurt and divisiveness. After all, we are a church that loves to create another community whenever we are stuck in the direction. There's a question, how many church people does it take to change a light bulb? A Roman Catholic said, none, because they actually use candles. Baptists say, change, what change? Sorry, Pastor John. <laughs> but the Methodists say at least 15 people because they need one to change the light bulb and two or three committees to approve that change and the last person to bring the castle. We often invoke the name of the Holy Spirit to guide our meetings. But as soon as our prayer is done, people often try to catch and keep the wind in their hands as if they're saying, God is on my side. They're never able to let go what is right and what is wrong according to their standards and their experiences. I'm a little frustrated by some people these days who tell others who are leaving our denomination, well, don't let the door hit you in the back. My question for such a people is that, how do you understand when Jesus says, love your neighbors as yourselves? What kind of neighbors do you have in your mind when you said you love them? Well, a different matter, I used to be like that when I was younger in ministry. As a pastor, I love to argue with the people and point out their misunderstanding and lack of biblical and theological insights. But I painfully came to learn later that there's nothing more hurtful than those whom you are called to love and embrace and forgive and reconcile that decide to leave you. What is more painful than that? And I learned that from my ministry. 
we think that we can catch the wind, we think that we have God on our side, but we can never control God who is like the wind. When we acknowledge that we cannot know where the Holy Spirit blows and whom God chooses to work with and whom God chooses to save, we can be more open to God who gives peace and love and joy as gift from God, not uh, our own merit or earnings. So Henry Nouwen, he says, we cannot break through the many barriers that divide races, sexes, and nations, but the Spirit of Christ unites all people in all embracing love of God. The Spirit of Christ burns away our many fears and anxieties and sets us free to move wherever we are sent. And that is the great liberation of Pentecost, he says. We are often foolish to believe that we can catch the wind in our hands, but it's more like we are caught by the wind, carried to wherever God sends us, just like the dandelion seas in wind. Several years ago, our nation was being torn apart by the news that the migrating children were separated from their parents, put into the cages, as these little children were crying and there was no one to, to pick them up and, and hold them. And I watched the news and felt devastated to hear the cries of these little children, some teenagers and even two, three-month-old babies. At the time, UMCOR, the Disaster Relief Organization, United Methodist Church, asked United Methodist Churches to send some hygiene kits for these children at the shelters near the borderline. And our conference office was collecting these kids, asking churches to observe what we call at the time a Sunday of solidarity with the suffering children. So I made an announcement at the church, my former church, asking people to bring these hygiene kits and items to the church. And that announcement instantly drew some criticism among the people. It divided people in the church, as if we as a church were endorsing this illegal crossing, they said. Some said that the harsh treatment of these children, we heard from the news, just they are not just all lies, they're not true. One thing I want to share with you is that I'm a registered voter, but I'm not affiliated with either Democratic or Republican Party. But this announcement made me look like I was taking a side with the Democratic in my former church while shaming the Republican Party people. And I tried to explain to people that you know, we are doing this as Christians, not just, just to respond to the suffering children and tell them that God loves them and God cares about them as we are also called to, to care for each other. But the damage was already done. Some people threatened to leave the church, and some reflected the anger and disappointment in their giving to the church. I really did not know what to do. I just felt like I could not control whatever was happening. But on the day when we are scheduled to wrap these um, hygiene items with towels and make a nice kits, it was three 
Republican women in my former church who came, they even showed up with extra items, worked hours to wrap these hygiene kits and put them in nicely into three boxes. As I was driving up to the conference office to deliver those boxes, this is scripture verse that came to my mind. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We often think that we can catch the wind, but no, we are caught up by the wind, and we are carried to a place where we never imagined that we would go. Because of the Holy Spirit who knows us and loves us more than we can imagine. Thanks be to God and God's people. Sir.